So as always, thank you for joining me. Enjoy the podcast. Kick back and relax. The force is strong and is with us always. And never forget. We have hope. Rebellions are built on hope. of this moment the force is strong make ten men feel like a hundred I'll take the next chance and the next you're rebels aren't you You call it the Jesse James. Jesse, a.k.a. The Bizzle. Yo, The Bizzle, thank you. <laughs> the Bizzle? Thank you, The Bizzle. Yeah. The Bizzle. All right, ladies and gentlemen of The Bizzle cast, welcome back. Bizzle's Daily Rebels featuring, again, Simi Klimo. I hope this becomes regular because I really enjoyed Ghost of Geonosis, the Sagarera story, or the beginning of it, um, from season three. And while well, I did Warhead by myself, which is a fun and funny standalone episode with Zeb and, and droids being idiots, but then being smart and stopping a bomb in the Rebel base, uh, nevertheless, Simi uh, really wanted to do the Darksaber and Legacy of Mandalore double episode with my girl Sabini Bean Ren um, so Simi uh, I have to say Jewish guilt worked in your favor amazingly in this case because I came this close to recording it like five times and just kept being like I can't do it to him I can't do it Simi welcome back hey man uh, Chag Samea I hope you had a good Pesach and you ate a bunch of constipation crackers with ease <laughs> I'm medically exempt from Passover and fasting Sweet. in general, so I'm, I'm good to go. Yeah, dude, lucky you, lucky. Well, you. Eh, you know enough about about me. I maybe would make a trade, but you know that's not how life works, right? Got to embrace the chaos. Embrace <laughs> the chaos. So, Sammy, I don't even know where to start. I did a little intro myself. Um, Charles uh, of Dark Saber, Legacy of Mandalore. I've said. I've I always loved Sabine as just a fun two or two and a half dimensional hilarious violent character with the graffiti and the bombs and everything and the great voice performance. But I felt like it wasn't until these episodes that not only did we get a fully three dimensional Sabine Ren that carries over the rest of the season and throughout season four, where she's a co lead, maybe even more of a lead than Ezra in season four, but where Tia Surkar, who you know though young, has done a bunch of live action roles, um, really. Gets to flex her voice, uh, emotional voice skills, which we're going to hear during the dark saber training in this one. Do you agree with that overall assessment of, of Sabine and or what's, what was your experience of Sabine up to this point? Because unlike me, you were mostly watching this live. I might, you know what though, Simi, I think I was live with the rebels by the time this came out, but you had been watching the whole series live. So what was your progression with Sabine? Did you like her from the beginning? Did it take a while to warm up? Like that whole thing? Well, in general, I mean, getting used to any of the characters and like, understanding new star wars characters was a bit of like a twist obviously um same kind of thing like with how we're i think this is a great supplement to our star wars uh clone wars chronicles uh throwing in some rebels here and there because uh i think with the new things that are happening with star wars and understanding and accepting new characters as quickly as they're coming is obviously going to be 
the new norm. Um, so yeah, initially she was one of my more favorite characters on the show for different reasons. I mean, Ezra starts off kind of weird and whiny. Right. Zeb isn't necessarily to be taken seriously. So then like it kind of narrows down your heroes and she's, you know, the loner gunslinger, uh, badass uh, artist who also kills people pretty quickly because she's mm-hmm. a Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Um, so she, she has a lot of like cool uh, secrets, I guess. And a lot of, uh, uh, just overall, like, what's her deal kind of thing. You know, she has the whole emo goth purple hair and, uh, you know, the fuck you attitude and, you know, I can do everything, you can do better. And the difference between her and Ezra, Ezra was a lead, but he wasn't necessarily a leader. She She's taken way more seriously in the group. Right. And, like, she, she's definitely, a, like, a leader in the group. Like, she's not – she's, like, the first lieutenant. Like, there's the captain – uh, then there's mm-hmm. the first mate, which is Kanan. Uh, and then she's kind of like, uh, I'd put her ahead of, of Zeb in the hierarchy because he's yep. still childish, even though he's that's a great you know, point. His, his own yeah. thing. Well, one thing I love about Zeb, first of all, I love all the Zeb episodes. Like all the Zeb episodes are among my favorite. I think my favorite episode of the entire series is the one where him and Callus are just stuck on the planet together. And he mm-hmm. accidentally flips Callus, which we're going to see. In the oh, that's episode. a great, that's a great episode. I mean, that's yeah. really better. I mean, cause it's like about racism and all sorts of It's the of Cassian stuff, Andrew you know? thing too, though, about, you know, heroes and villains on both sides. And Callus was there for the genocide, but it wasn't his call to kill all his people. And he regrets it. And he explains, why he has a staff it was given to him in a fair fight with another i mean it's just it's just pure gold and they right. like you don't even see the rest of the crew yeah and you know we like how i always bring up when we do rogue one and similar things or even solo and both mm-hmm. rogue one and solo you start with the lead character solo or Jin, and just the group gets bigger and bigger but it's essentially an a storyline as you pointed out in our solo commentary there wasn't even the equivalent of a krennic b storyline because we only saw paul bettany's evil bad guy with han right 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 i mean this episode barely in the movie and dude this episode if you look at the credits feloni wrote it i don't recognize the director it's literally just the five members of the crew feloni who does chopper's voice and the fenra and fenra who's awesome who they've converted to their side um so there's so much to lore there's so much to bean stuff can, can I just give you a quick, because I've done all the Rebels uh, in two major spurts, even though I'm not done yet, and I, I listened to those podcasts recently as I kick, got back into it. Just give you the major Sabine points from the first kind of two and a half seasons, and then I'm going to give you a final word on Sabine, and then we're going to tease the Darksaber, but we're going to wait for the podcast to really talk about Darksaber, because it comes straight from Legends, a.k.a. the old extended expanded universe, a.k.a. old canon, um, and they take about 80% uh, straight up and t- 20% they make their own, but there's a big thing having to do with who made it and did they steal it or not. I'm going to save that for the episode that sent me, but just to, on Sabine. So mm-hmm. in season one, the only major Sabine storyline is when her and Hera are scouting a planet, which ends up being the planet where Ezra calls all the big giant monsters to attack the Inquisitors later on. Um, it, like touches the dark side for the first time, but it's just her and Hera inspecting that possible, you know, mining old mining settlement where there might be stuff. And the whole episode is 
Sabine being like, oh, I joined the rebellion, so there aren't, so there weren't going to be secrets, but you keep as many secrets from me as I, they did in the Imperial Academy. And it's just Hera going, you have to trust me, you have to trust me, you have to trust me. But then when they get into battle, the two of them, Hera completely lets Sabine take over strategically, does exactly what Sabine says. And at the end, what I love about Rebels is they resolve the, it enough where Sabine says, okay, I'm going to work on, on trusting you more. And by this point, she obviously does. But also what I love about Rebels, man, is it's not the sitcom. We literally resolve every crisis in 22 minutes, right? It's, it's a period of growth for Sabine. Now, the, the other ma- there's only three major Sabine ep- uh, ep- episodes of note from then until now. One is meeting Tetsu, Tetsu, voiced by Gina Torres, who's amazing, her old buddy. And you know how like we talk about with Obi-Wan and Satine that we never knew about Satine and their love story until we see it on screen. You know, it's the ultimate right. show, don't tell. The Ketsu episode was exactly the same. Like, we get almost Sabine's entire backstory at least teased their b- dual role in Mandalore, but also with the Empire and leaving it and them having beef against each other. And Sabine has to kind of turn, you know, Ketsu to the good guys. And then Ketsu becomes like a major ally of theirs to the rest of the series and in some of the other animated stuff or whatever. And then there's two Mandalore episodes. The first one is Concord Dawn, where Fenrail's a bad guy, and, and and Sabine is telling Kanan and Hera not to recruit rogue Mandalorians. They don't listen to her. They almost all get killed. It's, Sabine's right, but Kanan does capture Fenrau, and eventually they flip Fenrau in the second one, where they bring Fenrau in the mission back to Concord Dawn, and he finds that because of his... They, the Empire doesn't even know he's with the Rebellion, but just the suspicion that Fenrau with the Rebellion, they burnt all of Concord Dawn to the ground. The entire system and so he eventually turns to join them and then again as we'll see here becomes a major ally so so those are the, those are the major episodes and we're going to actually go to mandalore dude in the second one of these legacy of mandalore and then of course i will have you on for the two-part opener um of, of mandalore of season four obviously when we see her weapons of mass destruction really do weapons of mass destruction any kinds of things sadly Seriously. um do you agree with me that the long burn of both sabine's sort of personality characteristics but also revealing her backstory slowly uh, and subtly what was a good call by Filoni and company well I think it's very yes obviously I yes I I, I, as I'm up Filoni's ass I am uh, (laughs) yes I think it's a good call but the reason why it's a good call is they they probably had the Mandalorian on on the back burner and you know testing this out TV show yeah Okay, go, keep so, going. Go on. I'm, go on. So what I'm saying is, yeah. this is this is some of the only info on the Mandalorians that's like these episodes are inter- of her storyline is an introduction to the Mandalorians. So like it's a whole other storyline that's never been really touched into, you know. And so the vehicle and the catalyst is Sabine, and it's a really great way and interesting way. To talk about their history, they have, you know, what what is history? Well, history is obviously his story, but it's stories accumulated together about a people's past. It's it's memory, it's shared social memory, um, and then there's artifacts. So having this intense, incredible artifact surrounded mm-hmm. by the stories and the personal experience in this, you know, in this sub subplot arc uh, for greater canon. Uh, is 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 super super important. So um, yep. I really think y- using her as you know grabbing people, aliens, 
uh, humanoids from all over with all over sorts of past, as you're alluding to with Zeb and his story and his and his line. Um, you know, and or even uh, Ezra with with his with what's going on in Lothal, mm-hmm. you know, because Lothal is an important place anyways, as we know, in mm-hmm. canon and lore and all that stuff. So my point is, yes, this is great. And I can't imagine, mm-hmm. you know, a better way to tell the story than talking about, you know, her as a royalty, as a scientist, right. as, you know, uh, an artist. You know, she's basically a renaissance if you think about, like, all the things that she touches upon that she does. That's true. Um, you know, she's an expert in war. She's an expert in art. You know, as you see later on in the latter episodes when they're talking about the art and she's analyzing what it means and things like that. And, um, you know, which they also talk about what her armor is. Her armor is representation uh, and the same armor that her forefathers wore in battle. Yet, you know, she's... A fitted it to her, and B, um, B really you know created her own art surrounding it and made it very unique. Uh, and finally, I'll close on this just in our other pro woman things. And also, I'm not going to give you any spoilers about uh, Avengers. Nope, we're not talking about. We're not. We're not even talking about nothing. Right. I'm just. We all know there's a lot of characters in it. No, yep. It's, it's no, great. Stop. That's just, all I'm saying. No, keep moving. Great, there's a lot Spect of characters. Back to Star Wars. Back to Star Wars. Back to Star Wars. Uh, so it's great that she and other women leaders in Mandalore are actually very common. Yeah. And uh, as we learn about Satine and all the other ones. So. Yep. So I'm just going to run through a, like a 90 second uh, catch up about the clans of Mandalore. Um, but I'll save obviously what's to come in the, in the coming Mandalore episodes for those episodes. But this important man. She is Sabine Wren, and she's from Clan Wren, but until very recently, Clan Wren was part of Clan Vizsla. Well, why does Clan Vizsla sound familiar if you watch The Clone Wars? Well, John Favreau's voice character, Pre Vizsla, who was the head of Death Watch, and acting like he was Satine's friend. Uh, you know, we, we talk a lot about Obi-Wan versus Satine's uh, idealism, man, in those episodes. We mostly agree that Satine's, while admirable, is, is so wrong and causing more problems. But it's also not really her fault because it's during the Clone Wars, which wasn't her fault, you know? Um, but Clan Vizsla, dude, in the old school days where the uh, Benioff and Weiss from Game of Thrones are doing the old Republic shit, you know, the Jedi and the Sith versus the Mandalorians like 3,000 years ago, which is definitely happening, confirmed by the Golden Goddess Kathleen Kennedy. Thank you. Um, and back then, dude, Vizsla was the, uh, the main clan and remained the main clan up until they took over power. Now, of course, once Maul took power, ruined everything, stole the Darksaber, which we're going to get to in this episode, then Clan Wren and other clans split from Clan Vizsla. But she is still a Vizsla, which is important because it's like Aragorn with the throne. You know, uh, it's not that she has more genetically superior blood, per se, but it's like... um. Who's still alive in Game of Thrones? Uh, spoilers, guys. I, I don't really care because I haven't watched it in a couple of years. Who's still in play to be like the leader of everyone in Game of Thrones right now? Kit. Okay. <clears throat> it's definitely Jon Snow. Are you not up on it? Do not, it doesn't Game matter to me, uh, but I was just wondering. Okay, so... No, no, no. I'm saying, do you, yeah. do you, do you watch Game of Thrones or... No, I saw all of the first three seasons, part of four, and I've cherry-picked a bit. Off. Uh-huh. Sure. Um, yeah. 
but you know, as I've said before, yeah. even shows I no. like past four seasons. No, tough. right now, yeah. arguably. But, dude, we, but we need to say two things, which is as popular as Game of Thrones is, the entire house clan thing is completely taken from Frank Herbert's Dune, which he, he talked about that these powerful houses, even though it's sci-fi, but it, the, the the politicalization, uh, maneuvering stuff is what Dune is all about. It's not about big explosions and fighting. It's mostly jostling to be the emperor or political, or the political stuff, which is great. Right. Um, and Lucas, you know, the more you watch of all the Lucas properties, the more you can tell that him and Filoni are drawing so heavily from Dune. I think part of the reason they don't acknowledge Dune, man, is because the stealing, like, the messiah from the desert planet with a female twin who also has force powers, like, is literally taking verbatim from Dune. They don't want to acknowledge it, but it's definitely there. Um, and the, Which so, Dune do you recommend movie-wise? Neither. Read the book. Read the, uh, the okay. our, our boy... Um, uh, the director of Sicario, um, uh, Arrival, and Blade Runner 2049, Denis Villeneuve, um, is directing a Dune movie uh, with a spectacular cast that's coming out later next year. So I would say read the book, maybe the first couple ones. We'll talk off air about it. Um, and uh, and the movie is going to be amazing. You won't believe the cast when you see it. Um Especially Javier Bardem playing like an all-out good guy of like the desert people, essentially, which you never get with him. So, um, but yeah, dude. But the clan house thing appeals to everyone, which, by the way, is why the first major show is about Mandalorians, which is why the Benioff and Weiss, you know, Knights of the Old Republic movies are almost for sure going to involve Mandalorians as like the third major power. That's not the Jedi Republic or the Sith, essentially. We're getting the Siege of Mandalore with Bo-Katan, voiced by Katie Sackhoff, who we'll see at the beginning of Rebel Season 4. Um, and, you know, I mean, the fact that it's just Mandalorian, Mandalorian, Mandalorian. I mean, Cassian is literally the only announced project we know of that doesn't help the Mandalorians. Um, oh, quick side note, man. Uh, both Cassian and the Game of Thrones series is the first time they're not filming in the old... Um, England, uh, London studio where Harry Potter also filmed. You know, I'm always talking about that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Meaning they've got so many projects going right now. They need multiple studios. It's all going to be in England still. But it's interesting that they're putting the Game of Thrones guys and Cassie in, in the same area. I think it's because those are going to be the darkest, which I'm excited and thrilled beyond measure about. So there's a reason there's so much stress on the Mandalorians, man. Um, and to loop it back to Sabine and then we'll get started. So guys, here's the game plan. So we did the intro that we thought we were going to do. I'm going to count you in to uh, Legacy, uh, sorry, of uh, Trials of the Dark Saber. Um, but we're going to count pretty much directly into Legacy of Mandalore from Trials of the Dark Saber. If you guys need to pause, you can. We're going to do a count, but other than that, we're going to go straight into it. Then Sabine and I are going to take a five to ten minute break off mic and then have a short conversation about what we just saw and if we have time and to me we're making pretty good time since i'm about to count us in i think we're gonna be able to fit in one more episode and it's a great episode because it's literally a first person perspective from callus for like the whole intro and the whole thing from his perspective of like realizing how brutally depressing his life is and wanting to help the rebels um so that's that's generally the plan we're on board with that right yeah man let's see how it goes all right guys so as usual cue up your dvds blu-rays uh whatever the hell you're using digital files you have a blu-ray player right Simmy? from the ps3 okay because i'm about to put into the mail i already have it enveloped uh sarah connor 
season oh, one, yeah, yeah, yeah. which excited. is only nine episodes, which is great because you'll know by the end of like seven or eight of those episodes whether you really want to watch the full season two. I think you will, but it's not. It's it's great. Season one's awesome. Um, but uh, did, right, guys. So whether you're physical, digital media, whatever, um, the version Sammy and I have has the little three second Disney XD super colorful loud thing at the beginning, but it'll match. And Simi's going to do a five count as usual into the episode to make sure you are aligned. So do all that now. Get your subtitles on, a little bit of ambient sound, as I recommend. And Simi, quick final thought. Um, uh, is, um, let's put it this way. If they had never explored this extremely complicated side of Sabine... You know what? Let me ask this as rhetorical, and we'll talk about it in the episode that you and I will answer it, which is... Did they wait too long to do this? Should they have done something like this with her earlier? Or was she going to be great no matter what, even without the dark saber? And the part B of that to me, by the way, is a lot of people thought when this episode aired that this meant she was going to not only leave the show, but take over the rule of Mandalore. I prefer what happens in season four with her relationship with Bo-Katan, um, but wait, we wait. will save that for later. But let's keep that in the ether. So I, I like how she obviously stayed. Um, but well, she I leaves don't temporarily, think- yeah. But again, let's keep remembering that this is like the real tester of like the first. Uh, this is pre Rogue One, I believe, too. So uh, this is like the first characters that don't have anything really to do with the other characters. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. they link up Ahsoka later, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Like Vader exists, the Emperor exists, obviously, because these are you know the bad guys. They exist, mm-hmm. um, and the other characters ex- exist too. But this is really its own fraction, yep. you know, like totally. of of what's going on. So, you know, season three, I think, is completely appropriate to yep. to like talk about a storyline that isn't the Jedi's. Like mm-hmm. they bring you for the in for the Je- Jedi's, and you stay for the Mandalorian. Absolutely. You know, like. Uh, and I think it's 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 exactly why I like the series too because mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, Dude, that's okay, a great point. Adam yeah. on, uh, a kind of Jedi trying to make it work in the yeah. apocalypse of uh, after you know the apocalyptic Jedi era, uh, you know, yeah. no Jedi's alive and uh-huh. and they don't have a lot of resources and, and they're on the ship they're on the do-gooder Dude. ship with these other cool characters so yeah like it's her turn for her we, story yeah and it's a good one we, we we haven't talked about the fact that our love for solo and rogue one which have little to no jedi stuff even though you and i love luke and all the jedi stuff and ray and then you take sabine who's a non-jedi character but she's awesome and can still wield a lightsaber and it's just interesting, man, that like for some people, the Skywalker's lightsaber stuff continues to be the most important thing. But Rebels, to me, even though you get a ton of Jedi stuff with Kanan, Ezra, the Inquisitors, Ahsoka, and Vader, and so forth, right? It still feels more like Rogue One Solo or like Firefly, which I've compared it to before, in terms of them doing heist jobs and stuff like that, right? Um, well, another, really way interesting. Think, another way to say it is instead of Jedi movies they're forced movies. right right right. i'm no. I'm, I'm talking shorthand for the common person yes, yes well no no but what i'm saying what that you know that what i'm articulating is that like they're forced like the it's it's all force centric and the yes. vehicle is not a yes. lightsaber and a jedi yes, yes. you, you said know it much like, better than i did thank you that, that's what i think it yeah. is and that's what yeah. it's different but I, what i would argue though that's yeah i actually if you were like, would you watch a series uh, with with Sabine and Chopper and, and uh, 
No, not Ahsoka. Uh-oh, uh-oh. No Jedi. Because that, se- you know? that series, I believe, is going to happen, by the way, is to beat Ahsoka, but keep going. Oh, that's awesome. But yeah, that's, that's going to happen. I don't know. Why don't, dude, why don't I just count this in so, we can, so I can save the file here and we'll just get the recording going? All right, guys. So here comes the countdown. We got tons to talk about, Simi. What's great is the training in this, it, like with Creed and Rocky, you just never want it to stop. But it gives us a good opportunity to talk about a lot of things. And then the next episode is very plot heavy, obviously, when she goes home and sees that her mom and everyone's betrayed her. Spoiler alert. So again, guys, I'm going to count this down. I'm going to say go, hit play. Simi's going to count one, two, three, four, five. Um, at the five second point where I'm watching it, we're seeing the Bendu sort of area with A-Wings flying in with their engines roaring from the A-Wings so that you'll know that you are close. So I'm ex- so excited to me that we're doing this. I'm very proud of myself for restraint and not going ahead because I really much prefer to do this stuff with you and my other contributors at this point. Oh, and side notes to me, do not listen to my Jedi Geek Girl podcast, please. <laughs> Gotcha. Uh, the, the reason you might want to listen to it, other than it's great, and by the way, for all the podcasts that me and uh, Jaggy Girl listen to, this is we couldn't think of another example of a, just a guy and a chick talking on a Star Wars podcast about the Ray Lowe issue. So just talking about it's important. I think you might appreciate it uh, uh, because my position has gotten different but more subtle. I, I still think he can't be redeemed, but the love story... Just to tease it to the audience, you guys haven't watched my Raylo podcast. The notion of a dark, brief love story from a narrative standpoint is starting to appeal to me a little bit. But I think that the the young women on these podcasts are just they're scrambling my mind. So you'll get me straight tonight. So all right, guys, here we go. Season three, episode fourteen, Trials of the Dark Saber. I think it's episode thirteen, depending on how you, in some places, depending on your counting it. I'm going to count you down. Get the five count from Simmy, and here comes the countdown. All right, here we go. Three. Two, one, and hit play. One, two, three, four, five. All right, people, Sabini B, my girl. Woo! Engines roaring. Yep. Yeah, I think any love story with uh, Ray and Ren is basically like, you know, when you fall in love with your kidnapper or like yes, yes. rape. It's, it's, it's a Jessica so, Jones situation, which we talk about a lot, actually. Yeah, yep. that's awesome. Okay, so, here we go. Sure, that's normal. Dude, I hate so to what say I was it. Just saying, oh, yeah. So what I was saying originally about uh, why it's kind of cool having Sabine as this yeah, character, I, I like that she's a, she's not the main character until we get into these, these episodes. Uh, so really quickly, tease. I'm going to give you more of this, Simi. In the original canon, they stole it from the pre-Vizsla's people stole it from the Jedi. In this new canon, actual canon, they made it, at least according to Fen'Ral, who's talking about it here and getting to the Death Watch and so forth. Right? I didn't know Mandalorians and lightsabers. We didn't. This was one of a kind. It's pretty it awesome. And oh, it, and oh yeah. Powered- oh, the shadow. Yeah. I forgot about this. Yeah, that's the original. Wow. That's why this is important, this lore. So there's a kyber crystal in there, right? Like, that's what they're saying. Yes, it is a lightsaber. It's a kyber crystal. The Mandalorians made it. The Jedi took it for safekeeping, quote unquote, and the Mandalorians stole it back. Right. I love that Sabine's just staying away from it, man. She's staying away because she just want to deal with her past and her responsibility. 
it's also again apocalyptic in terms of her people as well so like you know it's not as a ceremonial thing it's more like Mm. she's like i don't think i deserve it and they're all kind of you know well you kind of she's a great artist oh she's so great So again, Sabine and Tia Surkar, her voice, are both have very distinctive voices, but she, Tia does something with her voice, or it sounds even quite different. The way Ashley doing older Ahsoka, it, you, it sounds way different. Like she matured her voice as she gets older? Yes, that, but I'm saying even when she was younger. Oh, Simeon. Okay, let, let's be here. <laughs> she knows already. <laughs> Yeah. Too bad we're not getting that story, Simi. Oh, wait a minute. We are. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, here we go. Yeah. Okay, dude. One of my best parts of this episode, and I have a million, is them training together. And Ezra just wanting to help her is such a sign of maturity for him. (laughs) <laughs> right she's the best she's fighter they have dude badass. not right. even pound for pound not even pound for pound she is just their best fighter her and zeb can take down right. entire bases by the way whenever i see this episode or stuff i'm always like unite the clans unite them <laughs> i know you hate mel gibson braveheart's so great <laughs> fenrail's so great dude i talked about an earlier episode that as much as Callus is is cool and voiced by you know David Oyelowo, who's like Academy Award level talent, Fenra ends up being a more interesting character overall and more believable in, in turning sides and helping them. I think. I love Hera. See, but that's the other character. Like she's, she's Leia. the captain. You she's know? Leia. And- she's Princess yeah. Leia. She does. She's good at everything. She's natural charisma. She never lies. She can't lie. Mm-hmm. Actually, if anything, uh, the the difference between her and Leia is Leia's more ruthless. Leia can lie, and Leia's actually a scoundrel, which is why she likes Han Solo, and vice versa. Is Leia is a, is a scoundrel disguised as a princess? You know, I think this would have been a better, uh, better kind of done with maybe like him okay. kneeling. <laughs> You know, not Kanan. Yeah. Wait, did you, did they just referenced the, the do or do not again. He says, first lesson, don't try. <laughs> right. Yeah. I love she it's feels forced like, into it. She's angry about it. And then all of a sudden, she's going to have to take lessons on how to use it, which is a whole other right. thing, you know? But what's great is Kanan knows that he's going to have to piss her off at some point to get her to let, let go. But he, her level of self-hatred and rage is even beyond what he's expecting, as we'll see. I don't know. I don't know if I would have necessarily <laughs> brought Ezra yeah. the first day as, yeah. a, as, a, as so, a teacher. I no, mean, Ezra's exactly the guy ahead. because while he's giving her a hard time, Ezra's being, he's smiling. He's giving Sabine a hard time because he's saying, be prepared, this isn't easy, but his body language and his actions throughout the episode, he's so pumped to be involved in this process, way more than Kanan. That's what I love about Kanan and Ezra, man, is you know sometimes Ezra leaves the reservation and Kanan has to bring him back, but at least as many times Kanan goes off the reservation and Ezra has to bring him back. 
back. And I think that's, again, why I love this master padlock relationship, which at this point is as much brother, brother, uh, slash friends and allies. And by the way, dude, FYI, other than Hera, uh, technically at this point, Ezra is the highest ranked in the Rebellion, which doesn't mean he's the highest ranked on the Ghost, but in the Rebellion, Ezra is the highest ranked supposedly after Hera at this point. You know, it's just so hard to teach people new things when you're already good at so many things. That's a Chow Yun fat. Okay, so is this more Kill Bill? Is this more Crouching Tiger? Uh, I I think this is uh, the Claw. This is the Eagle Claw. So yeah, kill Bill. The where, drums like, is barely no, touches no, well, him. Okay, these drums are straight from uh, um, Yo Yo Ma's soundtrack uh, for Crouching Tiger. They're not even hiding it. This is the only. This is the the only the fact that he actually has a weapon on. Because remember, like what's mm-hmm. uh, he in um, mm-hmm. in Kill Bill? She, he has no weapon the whole time. His hands are behind his back, and he jumps up <laughs> on her sword. But look, just look at Ezra here, real quick, man. Sorry. This seems like a huge insult to her, you know, to be like, just practice with Ezra, you're not ready for me. But look, look how earnest he is. And he's smiling. He really wants to help her. Right. And not only that is she needs to establish a professional. When you're with a teacher that's your friend, you know, or someone you know, you need to establish some, you know, some professional boundaries of like, you know, you're my buddy. I love you. We have a whole other working relationship and I respect you as a, as a lieutenant or sergeant or commander or whatever the fuck she is. Right. She'd be a general actually. And yep. she would, she'd be, she'd be a general. Yep. Can, uh, can I point something out real quick about the actors? Yeah. Uh, uh, Taylor Gray, who plays Ezra and Tia Sarkar, Sabine, as they talk about how really through the entire show, they acted like they were siblings and they were constantly fighting and making fun of each other in the studio. And so it really comes across that they have this competitive making fun of each other thing. They, they both have talked about that, that while they love each other, they were at each other's throats at certain points and it informs the characters. Again, this is such like a TV show. Like, it's a little frustrating that like, like he's like so impatient already, and he's acting the same way he did when he start, first started training training yeah. Ezra. No, but the, you what know, you just he, said like, is exactly right, and what like makes it not annoying that mirroring right. pays off if you've watched the whole series. Is and we just missed Harris saying you're going too easy on her. You never want this easy on on uh, Ezra. Ezra. And dude, a life lesson is. I don't know. Do you agree with the philosophy that like you throw someone in the deep end immediately for this kind of stuff? Because that's what Hera's pushing for. I think as, um, I think if you're a good teacher, mm-hmm. you don't necessarily always have the same style of teaching for every single student. Just sure. like, oh. you know, some kids, if you're a father, you know, some parents, you know, some kids are going to require different, different things from each of their parents. And, you know, like literally different things. Like maybe one kid gets more because he needs more because for X, Y, and Z, you know, and that's what it is, you know? I love that Fenro, right? Yeah. yeah that dude, I'm sorry. Every beat in this episode is perfect. They bring in the characters the right time. Harris is the right thing. They bring in Fenro. He gives her the tricks, but I love that they Kanan disarms those tricks pretty quickly. I mean, this episode is perfect. Simi, really quickly, I always talk about Twilight of the Apprentice 1 and 2 and World Between Worlds, all of which are Ahsoka episodes are the best of all the episodes, but it still involves Ahsoka and Clone Wars stuff. I would say, other than the Zeb episode I referenced with Callus stuck on the planet – 
in terms of a pure Rebels episode that's like great as a Rebels episode, not as part of the Clone Wars saga or whatever, this is right in the top two or three for me. If that makes sense, distinguishing it from the Ahsoka stuff, which is always the best. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I want to go. I want to give you something else. Artifacts, more you know, historical artifacts of their history to 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 really uh, explain their people and what they did with the Jedi. That they were their fighters. You know, they're not as strong, but mm-hmm. nearly as strong. They're it's technologically yeah. advanced, and the Jedi yeah. are you know Jedi. There we go. Um, and this is, of course, all teasing image-wise, twin sons. And yet, okay, so Simi, outside of Creed and Rocky movies, where do we see this much just straight training with music and, and not a lot of talking? There's not a lot of examples. Uh, you know, I'll have to think about it. I mean, Luke and Dagobah is a combined, like, seven minutes of actual training. Oh, you're talking about in any other Star Wars thing where or anything, more training. Anything. Karate Kid. The Rocky movies. Right. Oh, what a shot. They spun the camera on that. I love this. He's going to break it. Yeah, dude, that's the brilliance of Jedi fights. It has to be really quick or really slow, right? That, that's it. And, when, and knowing when to do that is, is what's the brilliance thing. Here it comes. Here comes discipline. This dude, you said exactly what I wanted to say, which is this is an exact mirror of Kanan with Ezra initially, and Kanan more than Sabine is regressing into an immature version of himself, and that's making Sabine more frustrated. Although I think it's sort of part of his plan to get her mad, and he's just well, she is also she's also being very immature. By the way, Sabine. As a, as a character visually and personality wise, another Star Wars female badass who is feminine in a lot of ways, but it's not talked about or stressed all the time. Hera's the same way. I mean, they, they're nailing this with all the lead Star Wars females. Part of being a good teacher and part of being a good student is acknowledging that someone is able yeah. to teach you something. She is not acknowledging that Kanan is able to teach her something because she thinks she can kick Kanan's ass. Or Ezra's ass, or both, you know, because she's, as she's saying right now. Mm-hmm. More great writing, having Ezra go without Kanan explicitly asking him to intervene. And I don't think Kanan had to say anything. He knew Ezra well enough to know Ezra would do it on his own. And as soon as Ezra got this haircut, he's, she, he's become a more mature like, person. I, I have to say, here when she's being very emotional, she looks like um, the frozen lady. What's her name? Elsa. Elsa. Yeah. This is super uh, Pixar. Here it comes. She's about to lose it on Kanan with an amazing, brave voice performance, dude. To do that in a sound booth, even with Taylor Gray and Freddie Prinze there, or especially in Filoni watching your every move, is so hard. We don't see that from a lot of the characters. I, I think her her emotional arc in this episode alone is the, is the greatest, like you know, outpouring of emotion in the series, or, or one of them, other than Ahsoka with Vader, maybe. The Bendu. Oh, yeah. She kicked the Bendu. <sighs> Dude, I, I don't understand why the animated series, like with spaceships, the animated series doing better with spaceships, and they're doing better with force creatures. Why can't they do this in the movie? The Bendu is like the coolest design of all time. Here it is. I mean, here it like is. I Let's talk about say, this relationship real quick, Simi. 
so you know they they call each other love early in the series but then they back off it and they wait until the final season which is exactly what happens with Adama and Rosalind and Battlestar spoiler alert um they wait until the final season to 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 really go for it but talk wait, about this relationship dating the whole time these two yeah i feel like they make out all the time Right. She won't get hurt. Here comes the line. She's already hurt. Right. That's like the Jenner. So like what, what chance? The question is what choice? This is a good, it's good content. So for the record, dude, Vanessa Marshall and Freddie Prinze are both encyclopedic in their Star Wars knowledge. As big fans as Whitware and Filoni are, neither Taylor Gray nor Tia Sirkar were big Star Wars fans coming into it. But to throw Taylor Gray, who was basically a kid actor when they cast him, into being the new young Padawan and throwing Tia into being a Mando, which is like the hardcore fans love Mando shit, was like the perfect way to get both of them in. And now, like Ashley Eckstein, they're all giant fanboys and fangirls. That has happened to all Star Wars actors. Yeah. Oh, this is great. Oh, I thought the bender was going to That come violin is, I mean, this is lifted straight from the Crouching Tiger soundtrack, by the way, guys. Highly, highly recommend. Highly, anything by Yo-Yo Ma, but especially the Crouching Tiger and like Hero and those, uh, those Chinese epic movies that he scores are unbelievable. He's a really great cellist. This is great. Fed Morales having a conversation with this kid. Oh, good. She's back. Remember I talked about, um, with, um, What's her name from Solo? How they use the Japanese theme, Japanese music theme. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what's her name? The awesome redhead. I'm not sure which one. You know who he thinks a bad guy till the end, takes her head, hair, head off, her mask off. Okay, here we go. Oh, Sabine always comes around. What's great is, dude, you think you know, 18 minutes into this episode, she's already had her emotional breakdown. Nope. It's about to happen here. Here it is. Candy knows Hera's right. Dude, again, when Star Wars women writing works, 95% of the time, it's because the women gently prod the men to do the right thing. Not the, mm-hmm. I hate to say it, the Rose Tico thing in the writing where she's right all the time in an irrational way. Mm-hmm. Hera did not order him or guilt him into this. She just said the obvious, which is you're making it worse by not giving her the saber. Oh, baby. By the way, dude, you know how you, it looks like a black hole when you look into it? That's very similar to the world between worlds. They keep teasing the world between worlds over and over again. Mm. Yes. Thoughts, reactions, energy. Oh, I love this Jedi stuff. I think Clone Wars and Rebels does Jedi stuff better than the saga movies, but it's not a fair comparison because the shows have so much more time. Here we go. This is great. Block high, block low. This is exactly how training happens. Right. Old, heavy, powerful, respected strength. The writing for Kanan is always spot on. Here it is. Oh. Yeah, this I kind of so disagree epic. with this. This is so epic. I think it's just a cool thing, but, like, the reality is she needs to fucking do her... Like, that's not how kung fu works. Kung fu is repetition and practice and, and perfecting 
the positions. But that's but that's the whole point. The is this this isn't about her mastering the dark saber. It's about finally admitting her past, her feelings, her feeling of self hatred and loathing. It's an emotional journey, and so when she gives it to Bo-Katan at the beginning of season four, who is much more experienced and deserves to be the leader, you know, she really earned that journey. I think at the time, people are thinking, oh, she's going to become as powerful as the Jedi and lead Mandalore. I I never thought that's what was going to happen. I'm glad not. If for no other reason, then she comes back to be with the Rebels for all of season four, so. Here we go. It's just a lot. And by the way, when does she beat Kanan here? When she starts going dark, right? And you get too emotional. You get a brief dark side uh, boost on your power fighting. Freddie Prince is really this zen in real life. They almost even made it shorter just now. Oh, my God. Dude, this and the Darth Maul fight. Just epic. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Kanan has always been the most complicated and and sort of my favorite in terms of like an Obi Wan Kenobi comparison. But just like my straight up favorite of fun is Sabine. And so when this happened, as I was learning more about Tia Sirkar, and but now this character getting super complicated, ah, I was like, p- put her up front with Ezra, and dude, they gave it to us in season four. Her and Ezra are the are the co leads, and that's how it should be. In fact, she does the monologue at the end of season four with the Ahsoka reveal. Spoiler alert. Yeah, here it is. You should quit. I don't quit. I never quit. Ugh. You're not committed to this. Ooh, now he's he knows what he's doing. He's get this is this is Kirk making Spock angry at the end of Star Trek reboot. So it get commands from him. You never loved her. Oh, right. There she goes. Listen to this performance. Here we go. Ugh. Only Star Wars can do this. He's Ugh. letting her do this. This is. I know, but watch yeah. his face in a sec. Yeah, he's never afraid of getting killed, but watch his face. Terrible weapons. Oh. Yeah. He's still calm. He's still calm. Cannon getting more. These lines with this music are almost impossible to deliver, and she's just killing it. Dude, if she's not in The Mandalorian playing Sabine, I'm going to lose it because it doesn't even make sense. Here we go. Oh, he wasn't expecting the kick, and that's what makes her the best fighter. Watch his face. He puts up his hand. He thinks Sabine might go crazy. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. They chose the Empire. Her mom's a horrible person, as we're about to learn. That's incredible. It's hard to talk over some of these scenes because the acting is so incredible. Mm-hmm. But just, just she is. She's so good. She's just great. Yeah, they did a really good job with Dude, this. I, I I told you that. Oh no! I said to Jay Geek Girl, Filoni's two favorites are in terms of writing for them and just them are Ashley Eckstein and Tia Sirkar. He loves writing these complicated young female roles. It was definitely Ahsoka clearly through Clone Wars and beyond. And it's definitely, if you see how he talks with her and to her, at like all the various panels Witwer too is one of his favorites, but Tia definitely is. And they nailed it. They finally got Sabine fully three dimensional. 
Oh yeah, baby! Unite the clans. That's uh, great. Uh, yeah, Queen Sabine. Ezra always knows what to do. Like when they're doing the Lasat Battlestar thing to find that Lasat hidden planet. Like he joins the ceremony. Like Ezra's always there. Up oh, here it is. He knows what he's supposed to do. Is that it? They're gonna end on this. Oh boy, Simi. Yeah. To me, that's a perfect episode of of television. To me, they did a great job with that one. Yes, 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 yes. Um, any quick thoughts before I count us into um, a Legacy of Mandalore, which isn't technically a part two, but it's a direct follow-up, obviously. I mean, it's pretty much a part two. Do you want? Do you want me to just count in? Are you? Are you teed up? Almost. Hold on. So let's see me uh, tease up, guys. Um, this episode could never live up to the previous episode because the previous episode is basically perfect. But how this sets up uh, Sabine's character in season four is so important. And so this is one of those that gets way better on rewatches once you know what happens. All right. I am. I love the, the, new, the new Phantom is great, by the way, the shuttle. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. You ready? Yeah, hold on. Uh, I'm at five. Let me just make sure my subtitles are on. Um, okay, guys. So, again, uh, Season 3, Episode 15, A Legacy of Mandalore, a.k.a. Trials of the Darksaber Part 2. And we see her terrible family, uh, who are very tricksy, coming up here. So, get queued up to zero. He's zero. tricksy. <laughs> they stole it. Thieves. Thieves. Mm. Um, so... Uh, yeah, queue up, and uh, we'll do the same th- uh, th- uh, countdown, and then send me with the, the five count. You ready, pal? Yeah, man, let's do it. When was the last time you saw these episodes, by the way? Just real quick. Mm, it's been a minute. I mean, did you remember that last one pretty well, beat for beat? No, not beat for beat, but I remember okay. the episode. All right. So um, I, I got most of the lore stuff I wanted to at this point. So here we'll talk about the, the this episode, which is very Shakespearean in scope and dramatic. So here comes the countdown, guys. And then Timmy gives the count up to five, and we would be we will be off. The Legacy of Mandalore countdown. Three, two, one, and hit play. One, two, three, four. Five and the new Phantom. Here we go. I keep waiting for like a. I keep waiting for like a little like um, mm-hmm. what's it called, like a, a beginning uh, moral like in uh, Clone Wars. Previously on the Clone Wars, Anakin Skywalker. Right. Amazingly, that's the same guy who did Yoda before they got Frank Oz back. Right. So here comes the clan stuff, man. I'll try and fill this into people. But again, like even more than Clone Wars, Rebels does a great job of selling through performance and not doing a ton of exposition. And and part of the reason people got so on board with Rebels, dude, even though they felt like it was too Disney and Pixar at first to love the Clone Wars, is how they kept working more and more prequel and Clone Wars stuff into it. And then by this point, when we can see the connection to Rogue One, it got those of us as well for that. So it's it's pretty great. Oh, she's speaking Mandalorian language. We'll see if we get that in the episode. So, for the record, this is their third encounter with the Mandalorians with Sabine, and every time she says it's a bad idea, Simi, and every time she's right. Yeah, did they... Here we go. Are they double-checking that it's her? Some of these are a little... 
This is this is wow. the low budget animated preview of the Mandalorian TV show. That's Lots what of I was people saying. with jetpacks. Earlier. Yep. Clone Wars does ground battles and stuff like this way better, but the space stuff in Star Wars Rebels is awesome, and I think the lightsaber stuff in Star Wars uh, Rebels is at least as good as, as Clone Wars. So it just depends. But they had, they had a lower budget, Simi. They weren't getting one, two, three million dollars an episode, and so some of these episodes feel a little empty. But it, it fits with the smaller scope of the show ultimately for me. Go ahead. <clears throat> well, I mean. I forget, like, they're really trying to kill her? No, I think Disable. I love it, yeah. I think this is the first time that there, there's there been troopers of any sort to realize how dangerous Chopper is. <laughs> no, Chopper doesn't play. He's, um... Him and R2-D2, they don't play. Oh, here's the struggle crash on Cobalt, baby, and the season one Battlestar, exactly like this. It's exactly how it's filmed. Through the trees, the whole thing. Yeah, I don't like how they got shot down. Uh, fuck them. No, but but I think you were onto it, which is they're just they tried to disable the ship without blowing it up because as soon as it started going down, they let it go. Yeah, it's true, but there's and also there's mm-hmm. they know she's a good pilot, so. So here's the thing about Tia Sarkar, man. Tia Sarkar is almost too cute and pretty to be on a show like The Mandalore. <laughs> what we've seen so far, she's so perky, but she can play a real biatch if you've watched The Good Place. And I- I'm thinking they just keep her in the Mando suit for an episode, and at the end she takes it off and we see Tia or whatever. But like just to be in this, in The Mandalorian, at some point would be amazing. Jesus. I have to say, Simi, I, I went back and watched the whole Mandalorian panel with Favreau and Filoni. And while I really respect Favreau from Iron Man and him, he's a hilarious guy. I am so happy that Filoni is co-executive producer because he does not get the fan base. I mean, Favreau almost caused a riot because he said he still doesn't like the prequels in the Mandalorian panel. And that Dave Filoni is like having to bring him there. And so Filoni saved his ass a bunch of times. So Favreau's a brilliant director. They needed Filoni to have equal power or more on the story of Mandalorian because Favreau's a little too old school at this point is my feeling. This is such a good part. So other than the big almond-shaped eyes, is that sort of the racial trait they're going for with the Mandalorians? It's subtle. I don't know. I mean, they're not... You're saying they're like... Uh, her, her and her brother Tristan's eyes, and they'll see her mom, are, are slightly bigger and sh- shaped differently than the quote-unquote humans. But it's very subtle. <laughs> yeah, he so looks he's like, like holding human. out and he's going to yeah. fix the ship, basically? Mm-hmm. That's a good idea. Dude, but we didn't point out, dude, how Fen Rao was like ready to serve Sabine as long as she grew up. He didn't care about her fighting skills with the Darksaber. He wanted her to embrace her past, get over it, and move on. And then Fen Rao immediately was like, I'm serving you. After, you know, they had to force him into captivity last season. That's an awesome looking house. So this is an episode where you know there's going to be major betrayal happening. But what I love about the writing of this, Simi, and the staging is you're... You're not sure until it happens the first time who's going to betray who, when, and why. Is Tristan in on it? Is it her mom? Is someone threatening her mom? Yeah, there's Uh-oh. a lot going on. Uh, talk about strong female figures. My guess is Satine did not like this woman, even before the Civil War. <laughs> we need to talk. Mm-hmm. That was a really Katie Sackoff thing. 
And the dark saber like chose her. There she it found it yep. literally. I mean, right the way the way the holocrons and, and lightsaber kept calling to Ezra at the beginning of season one. Mm-hmm. So I've talked about the biblical nature of a lot of their names. Um, I don't know how much of my stuff you've listened to. Ezra, obviously, a later, very important prophet, reestablishing Jerusalem on the return to you know ancient Israel. Canaan, short, you know, another name for Canaan, also the land of Israel. Um, Caleb also Doom, Cain, also Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel, Caleb Doom, which is his real name. Caleb, of course, was the one scout who was not cynical and came back to Moses and I, and you know said, "We can conquer this territory." Everyone else was like, "No, it's full of giants. We have no chance." Caleb was the one to to be the the optimist. Mm. Hera is the wife of Zeus. What's Zeb? <laughs> Garazeb Aurelius, you get back here right now. He's so scared of Hera, is Zeb. I love it. It's like Princess Leia. Even the oldest rebel is scared of Leia going off on them, right? I mean, Empire. Mm-hmm. Can I point out something, Simi? You know how we always yes. talk about the main kid characters always started 14, like Princess Leia of Alderaan, 14 Leia, year old Leia. Ahsoka was 14, the beginning of the Clone Wars. Ezra was 14 or 15 at the beginning of this. Sabine is in that interesting age at the beginning of the show, man, where she's in like her late teens, but she's still kind of a kid. They haven't really attempted that other, other than older Anakin, right? They haven't really attempted that a whole lot. I mean, at some level, she's a orphan, right. you know, and Gar said they're talking about Gar Saxon. He's a fucking savage. And, and by the way, dude, she has already said either directly or indirectly numerous times before this episode that for, you know, come what may, uh, Kanan and Hera are her, her parents, essentially. Like, she not only accepts that, she loves that about them. And so this is dealing with her real mom, who she feels nothing but hatred for. I mean that's got to be a rough, a rough, uh, rough lifestyle. I will say though, dude, jetpacks are going to look way better when it's Favreau doing like updated Iron Man style in live action. It's just going to look better. God, yes. I don't think we're going to see a lot of jetpacky stuff in Siege of Mandalore. It's going to be the the clones and Ahsoka on the ground, and then big space battle stuff is what I'm predicting. Oh my god, Ezra's so funny. He's such a child. But he he stops being annoying like by the end of season one, basically. If you really watch it, he. I mean, he does. He grows. No, I mean, he is. This is his character. This is his story. The, everything else. I mean, if you had to like say whose story, it's his. Clan Ren. Like, let's put it this way, man. We know Mark Hamill was 23, 24, and not 17 or 18 with A New Hope, but Lucas wrote uh, that character as if he were 14, 15, or 16, or 17, which was really smart. Find you, Sabine. Right, this is all holding action while they betray everybody. Betrayer! Fuck this, mother... Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, 
Dude, we're going to see Ahsoka with two blue lightsabers against the dark saber and the red lightsaber from Maul. Oh, my God. Mm, what a sweet mother. I like that she gives her all this encouragement as a I woman. I love that we have woman. a daughter-mother story that's very complicated, and it's not daughter-daddy or, or, or boy-daddy. Yeah, everybody has complicated, like, powerful parents in these movies. You want to hear something cool? So you you know, Tia Sarkar is obviously fully Indian, Indian American woman. The oh, I did not know actually what her ethnicity was. Well, you Go saw off. the picture with me and her, right? I mean, you can see it. They're so racist just because somebody looks a certain way. I just was thinking you've heard it. Okay. Point no, I know, yeah. I, okay. I know a fair yeah. amount of yeah. Mexican people that look Indian. Can I, I just make my point? Can I make my point? Look Mexican. The Go actors ahead. who play her brother, Tristan, and her mom, Ursa, both Indian, Indian Americans as well. I think mm. it's kind of cool. It's the opposite yeah, yeah, yeah. of a white guys talking like New Zealanders, right? Here they ha- like they didn't have to cast Indians as her family because they're talking like normal Americans or, or British. But you know, it's like the little touches. Fans do appreciate it. Ugh, some blind Jedi and a child. You don't know what the fuck you're talking about, bitch. You know what I realized, dude? I was thinking about Cassie and K two the other day. Uh-huh. That show doesn't need much of a budget because you literally can do put Cassian and K2 in any situation with any people and it's going to be hilarious. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's going to be a bigger budget than Daredevil and Jessica Jones. It's not going to be $12 million an episode like The Mandalorian. And I hope it's not. I hope it is like a dark buddy story, to be honest with you. Well, a lot of those characters, they can, you know, redo the, the like they have a lot of the equipment, you know. By like the way, dude. So, you know, Kanan, it takes a while for him to warm up to Rex and trust him because he's a clone. Uh, but once they get Ren, um, once they get uh, Fen Rao, uh, here's the evil, evil, evil head of Vizsla. Um, dude, once they get Fen Rao on their side, Kanan immediately sees him as an asset. And I love that both Fen Rao and Kanan acknowledge that Fen should remain back on the ship because they're going to need a, a wild card at some point because they smell treachery already. Brilliant. This, this is, is Ray, Stevenson, Ray Stevenson, by the way. Gar Saxon. Gar Saxon's right, right. I'm sorry. He's Clan Saxon. I apologize. Again, though, guys, Clan Ren is relatively new. It's not a new family, but it's a new clan. They used to be part of Clan Vizsla, Pre-Vizsla, and all of them. Now, Katie Sackhoff's character, Bo-Katan, her and her, her, her dead sister, Satine, are from yet a different clan. But the the free good people of Mandalore at this point want Bo-Katan to lead them. And that's part of the story between Tia and Katie as characters at the beginning of next season. Oh, more great artwork. Dude, the artwork, the 2D artwork in this show is just through the roof. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is great. She, she's, but she be, becomes a puppet king if she's going to like give in to Gar Saxon. So for all of her like bullshit of like blah blah blah, like I'm a badass, I know what I'm talking about. Like she's just bullshit right now. This is the opposite of you know when Gandalf and Pippin go to see the Mad Denethor, and Gandalf tells them like five times not to say anything, and immediately Pippin starts babbling, and Gandalf's like, "God damn it, Pippin." <laughs> Did they take her their lightsabers? By the way, Tristan is like one of the most common fantasy names, especially in sort of romantic fantasy for men. 
Isn't he in that other movie the that you gave me to watch the um the one with the ring around the uh oh god Star Star Stargate Starlock oh, Stargate Star- Stargate Universe yeah Now this is a direct mirror of Sabine in the last episode right I want her to like kick his ass because he's a such a like, bullshit. Look at him. He, he, Saxon promise. Yeah, Saxon's a liar. Of course. He's, oh, does he? Uh, uh, she got it out of him. Oh, my God. Throw them your guns. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love Ray she... Stevenson. What a great voice. Yeah. Where are their lights? They really gave. No, they have them. Okay. No, they give them the lightsabers. Doesn't matter. They'll get them back. I mean, literally every Star Wars movie, the, right? Ray, Luke, whoever gives up the lightsaber gets it back. <laughs> this is bullshit. Mm. Tristan and Isolt, that's what I was looking for as a famous medieval fantasy epic. He's evil. Oh, he's the worst. And and he comes back. They did the right thing and not getting rid of him this episode. The beginning of season four, it's brutal. He nukes the planet multiple times, essentially, with Sabine's weapons. Yes, it does, you idiot. Do you think he's older or younger than her? They don't say. Oh my god! At least the mother finally understands what's going on. Look I at that little look, that little half smile. Yeah, Tristan's always is already playing the long game here. Can't trust the mom, but I kind of knew watching this that he was right. Yeah, exactly. He should have gone. Should have gone all the way. Oh yeah. Yep. Fenra has one of the best Mando costumes out there. The blue is spectacular. There you go. That just even the odds. Oh, yeah. That's episode one shield right there. That was awesome. That's great. At least you can see who's who. We got to do Phantom Menace, bro. Oh, I think it's time. Yeah. That's, it, I it's so great. It it's so great. After playoffs. Wow. This is, see, this is a good battle. Like, for the amount of the oh. battle cost, look at this. Get your fucking helmet on. Yeah, you here know we you're... go. Oh, yes. More elegant blade. Dude, I'm telling you, Ezra time. has been excited about Sabine's evolution from the beginning. Here we go, baby. Yeah. You finish stupid. what you started. Get up. Here we go. She knows what she's doing. I think the best one-on-one lightsaber battles in, in this show are a little bit better than Clone Wars, but Clone Wars does the big million lightsaber things bet- better and more often. So her jetpack's broken. She doesn't need I, it. So I, and she has a lightsaber. You know. Well, right. I and mean, that's the lightsabers thing. should only not be able to cut through lightsabers. This is a legitimate fight. You have a weapon. Yeah, you have a weapon. Stab the guy and then get your ass kicked by a guy that doesn't have a lightsaber. I swear to God, if JJ pulls that shit in the final movie, I'm going to lose it. 
Yeah, that's not the way things work. Uh, the fact that it's my only it. major complaint about Force Awakens at this point is part of why it's so high on my list. Oh, the flamethrower! Yeah. <laughs> and he can't see her. Yep. Right, dude. It's the same amount of people yeah. around now, but when they bring it to a slightly oh, smaller scale, it looks amazing. The dynamic camera movement. You have some you skill. Have some- Wait, what's that from? Okay, oh. okay. You have some skill. Oh, that's that's a major. Yeah, but at thing. some level, it's just such a stupid law. So if if we oh, jump you yeah. it, like you yeah. know what's it called? Uh, uh, we fucking bush league you and like just yeah. bombard like without you knowing. Yeah. If people start fighting, then yeah. you gotta let them fight. So so the 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 okay, you have some skill line is straight from Matrix Reloaded when the Merovingian thugs start shooting automatic weapons at Neo and he just casually puts up his hand and all the bullets go down before the fight in the uh, medieval weapons room. Finish him. <laughs> Do it. Finish. Do it. Do it. Mm. God, That's- the first half of Revenge of the Sith is so great. The rest... I'm going to torture you and make you my gimp. Mm -hmm. That's my argument for, um, Oh, I want to ask you a question in a second about her mom turning. So here's the, here's the problem. Simi is (laughs) because they, they threatened to take out the mom despite her helping you could just believe this is self-preservation here. Now, they sell it with the music and mom and everyone hugging, but she doesn't really turn because of Sabine or her friends. She turns because she's directly threatened by Saxon. So you can't fully trust her, but that's that's Disney, I guess. Yeah. But, but I mean, the, the fact shit. that Kanan and Hera are her true parents at this point, you know, it, it's like, this is my mom. We don't really get along, but we need all the allies we can get. That's the whole point. This right? is my brother, Ezra, who hits on me. Right. right exactly. <laughs> right. But it's less weird because we're not related like Luke and Leia. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. We just live together. Yeah. Which makes it only a little weird. Dude, I mean, they've said Filoni and... Tia and Ashley Eckstein said in all of their versions of what happens after the end of the show, Sabine and Ahsoka go on the mission to find Ezra at the edge of the galaxy or possibly beyond it. So I'm not saying it's going to end up being romantic, but she loves him at a deep, deep level in some way. No doubt. I, I didn't, I, I was like, we'll find a way to I, find I it. I do remember when I first saw this, I, I was just like, wait, why? Wait, what? Like, right. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, why is she not... This doesn't make sense. I had already guessed that they were going to tap her as the wild card in the final episodes, but it, it was right. still sad to have a couple episodes without Sabine. Right. There's, there's that was three. My I, was more and I didn't one. So next right. is the the Callus episode. Dude, I had to do the one after that, which is the introduction of Mon Mothma, Genevieve O'Reilly. But you know what? Most of the episode is... is a, just an empire fight episode. Melon Mothma was barely in it. So this is great. And friend stays too. That's great. Oh yeah. He's a, he's what we would call a retainer of hers at this point. He's sworn. It's like a samurai thing. He's sworn. She's his Lord at this point. And, and he's he, from Clan like, Vizsla, right? This is important. They're from the like, same clan. Killed- 
And she just yeah. like beat the shit out of Garsak. I mean, these these sorts of things in Clone Wars and Star Wars, dude, is exactly why I love this shit more than Game of Thrones because it's like you can have some darkness and some fighting and murdering, but you also like feel good about yourself at the end of even the saddest episodes. You know, yeah, I just agreed. feel dirty. I, I just feel dirty inside after watching some Game of Thrones episodes. I'm sorry. Well, yeah, I like some tits, you know? I mean, yeah, so, well, okay, so no Avengers talk, no Game of Thrones talk. So, guys, we're going to do a two-minute wrap-up on, on Sabini Bean. Um, I have a couple quotes, man, about the dark saber from the literature, and then you and I will take a quick break, and then yes. we'll count people into the next episode, which is, a, again, an episode that seems standalone through Imperial Eyes. Just You're like, oh, well, it's just going to be from Callus's perspective, but it's actually the episode where the Rebels crew wants to extract him, Simi, and he decides not to go with them because he doesn't realize that Thrawn is onto him, and he thinks he can do more good on the inside. Um, right. So there's some great stuff going on. So before we get into to episode 16 through Imperial Eyes uh, after we take a short break. Uh, thoughts about those episodes, Mandalore, Sabine Wren, stuff going forward, etc. Go. I said they could have done one more episode, a little bit more into well, the relationship the beginning of season the four, essentially. I know, yeah, 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 I know. Yeah. But like, this was like a good, this was a good taste. Uh, yeah. There was like a really epic battle scene. I mean, it, you know, bringing all the Mandalorians in and showing their armor off and you know, talking again about the specific artifacts of their history mm-hmm. with the uh, with the different types of weapons they use, and then how I, they get I just into had combat. A naughty thought. Sorry. Anyways, and then the combat Not is, that kind of is, is pretty intense. So, Go Sammy, ahead. I've done it some is. of these episodes out of order. Uh-huh. We could take a five to ten minute break and then do the first two episodes of season four to just do this all at once. Um. Wait. Wait, which ones? The proposal would be skipping the next six episodes of season three and just going straight to the first two episodes of season four, which are on Mandalore with Bo-Katan and Sabine and so forth. Uh, no, let's just finish this up. And okay. then we'll do another. Well, I, I, no, that's I fine. I just wanted more, to offer you the option uh, thematically. Like, gotcha. like early on when I was doing these, I was getting, I was itching for a Sabine story and a Hera story. And so I skipped around uh-huh. a little bit. And then like, I wanted the episode where Kanan became buddies finally with Rex. And then I went back and I wanted all the Ahsoka episodes. So I've jumped around but i've seen these series more than you and more recently so that's fine if we just keep going and so, so look i mean i should be able to do it now that oh, i don't talk about this off mic i just, should be able yeah. to do another one so guys we're, um, gonna, we're gonna take a quick okay. break which will be cut obviously um thank you simmy this was awesome already <laughs> i can't wait to do uh, imperial eyes i've done the episode after that guys but i'll wait till release it which is introduction of mon mothma secret cargo there's a droid episode after that but then simmy it's twin sons and then the two-part finale with thrawn twin and the, sons is great it's so great. So that's anyway. when you'll be back on. And here's the thing. Here's the thing, Sammy. Season four, first two episodes, the Mandalore stuff. Episode three and four are in the name of the rebellion, which I referenced a thousand times in our Saw podcast because it's Saw versus Mod Mothma's ideologies, and it's fantastic. We see Ezra and Sabine with Saw the whole time. It's it's an amazing, amazing Rebels and Saw episodes. And then five and six are the beginning of going back to uh, to Lothal and the Tide Defender Factory, and then it's serialized straight up till the end. It's just one story. So we'll figure out how to divvy it up. But guys, just so you know, I'm going to release uh, the two episodes uh, in between the one we're about to do and then Twin Sons in the finale. And I, I guess what I'm saying to me is we'll knock out Twin Sons in the two-part finale as a session next week or something, right? Yeah. 